Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. Growing up in like you early YouTube culture, like I watch YouTube makeup tutorials. I will I will literally buy anything. Yeah. Including stuff where it's like, I don't even know, you know, I, have you tried baking your under eyes? <laughs> that seems like do a it. lot of work. Yeah. No, I tried. I tried. And then it was the I removal tried. at the end that I was like, I'm not pulling this off without a cakey finish. So I look <laughs> like a ghoul, like a ghoul, a white ghoul. By nostalgia, though, for that 2017 makeup where it was like, go bigger with the eye and then bigger with the lip. Yeah. <laughs> like, and everything is matte, matte, not a sheen in sight. Like powder that baby down like King Kylie era. I miss makeup. Watching old Lana Del Rey videos, Bambi eyes, like 60 yeah. screen siren. I was like, we don't wear makeup anymore. Glossier. You're we right. want to see your skin. And then everyone was like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Okay, oh. skin. We all have to be naturally pretty. Emily Weiss and Hailey Bieber really girl-bossed our way out of any kind of femininity, didn't they? They were like, if you wear makeup, you're a fucking loser. You're a loser. And that's that and it's on that. true. And now <laughs> you, you put Hailey Bieber next to like a full King Kylie-faced woman. Those two women next to each other. And it's, it's hard. I know, because now Kylie literally not a scrap. A swipe of mascara no. and that's it. I know. I know. I'm but so, she's I, been in I the news. It. She's been in the news for the tear troughs. Have you okay, been? Okay, this was the this was the <laughs> funniest. I think this was our funniest interaction of this week where I sent you a photo of Kylie looking incredible. And you replied like, How does she get that body? <laughs> you were like, Is it former Pilates? And I'm like, No. No. <laughs> no. There's a lot going on there behind the scenes. I could oh. not be more naive. Me still the same 13-year-old girl flipping through 17 mag going like, wow. And all of this, just a cup of Greek yogurt. That's how you look <laughs> when you eat a cup of Greek yogurt and seven almonds. <laughs> just wow. blend up that cottage cheese. That's all Yo. it takes. Oh, <laughs> my God. I'm as good as ice cream. I've had a very <laughs> triggering beauty week this week. And I feel like I, this is a recurring theme and I really need to, I need to pivot my thinking, but it started on a high. I got an LED mask. Absolutely huge. You go full bionic woman. You worry your eyes are frying alive, but you come out, your skin is softer than it's ever been. I don't understand how it works. Chris was like, what is the science? And I'm like, I, I couldn't tell It doesn't tell matter. You. It yeah. doesn't matter. Shh, that doesn't baby. concern Shh. me. <laughs> no. But it's working. I swear it's working. And that was my skyrocketing high. And then I plummeted back down to earth by taking a body scan at Equinox. Ivana, body fat higher than it's ever been. January 23. Twi oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a Freudian slip. January 24. Fatter mm -hmm. than ever. <laughs> Just a little tub roll rolling along. <laughs> Don't talk about my friend like that. Don't talk about my friend like that. No, I, I have to shift perspective. And honestly, venting to you about this prior to this record, I think has totally lifted my spirits and changed my energy because so I was like, I'm so disappointed. Like there's nothing like a regression to really like set you back. I put on a skirt and I'm like, who are you? Bacon wrapped lard. Like just I and then talking to you, I was like, you know what? We've been through a lot. The bodies go through a lot. Hormones are a lot. There's a lot going on. Yes. You know? Well, <gasps> this actually feeds very well into my inspiration. Oh, no. One, what? You're gorgeous in every way. Let me tell you that now. I look at you and I see only beauty. So know that. Know that. Okay. Bacon yep. wrapped lard is not how I describe you to a stranger. <laughs> Two, my inspiration for the week is that I have not looked at a full length mirror in a month's time and... I I feel free. I don't have a body. That's that's me. I, I don't have one. I just have a vessel that moves me from place to place. I have only a bathroom mirror. There are no full-length mirrors really in Steven's house. So like I can't really check an outfit. I can't look at myself when I come out of the shower. I just 
move into the night and put on my oversized t-shirt and go to bed in total peace. You're just a floating head and shoulders. Yeah, I'm just a floating head and shoulders. And not that I really spent like a lot of time looking at my body before this, but when I don't have the option, that feels like a whole different thing. I so rarely look in a full-length mirror. I have two and they are decorative. I do not use them. It's not good for the mind, body, and soul. I was listening to another podcast recently where two female hosts were talking about like how often they look at themselves naked. And one of them was like, oh yeah, at least once a day, every time I shower, I'm doing a, a quick audit of where I'm at. And I was like, that cannot be healthy or productive. No, it's like when I find out that there are still people who weigh themselves every morning, I'm like, wait, don't do that. No, throw that away. That's asking for trouble. Also, like the number you see there, it means nothing. Totally arbitrary. Yeah. You drank a big cup of water. There'll be more there. It goes up. It goes up. No, I think that was the biggest learning lesson that I had to process really early on to exercise was Mm -hmm. how much the scale is affected by literally like too much sodium, whatever, the slightest change, hormone fluctuation before your period, during your period, after your period. It's so bizarre that our bodies can function like that, wherein you're just going to see a bigger number. And I think there's also this element that saves us in the Delulu aspect of it all, where it's like (laughs) you see a bigger number and you're like, that was because last Wednesday I had a slice of pie. And that is what that is. That I know exactly there it is. why. There, there it is. I know there exactly is. why. And because I didn't have a slice of pie this Wednesday, it's going to be fine next week. But the thing is, Ivana, you cannot run from a body scan. A body No, analysis. I was just going to say, what we're talking about is different from what happened to you yesterday because a body scan actually does tell you exactly what of it is water weight, is muscle, is fat. Yeah. And this all came from Chris, a really like innocuous compliment of just like, ass is looking juicy. And I'm like, what do you, what do you fucking mean by that? I pull out an AK-47. Yeah. What does that mean? Where did the juice come from? I haven't been like gaining a whole lot of muscle. So uh, what's Mm -hmm. going on here? And uh, yeah, the body scan is where they basically analyze the amount of like skeletal muscle mass in your body. So they tell you how much your bones and muscle weighs and then your overall body fat percentage and BMI, which they're like, you know, disregard that because obviously it means nothing. But the body fat percentage is really something that uh, it correlates directly, I would say, to appearance in a big way. Like you can really see um, a 12% versus a 14% versus a 25 It's really there. And uh, that's the most confronting of all the numbers is just that that range of uh, 1 to 30 but I think this is also a good time to talk about your experience with you. Well, I was just going to say, I, yeah. I actually was not going to bring it up because dancing on a grave, but <laughs> please bring um, it up. <laughs> well, I too got a scan, actually the same scan in Wisconsin. And let me tell you, the feedback is very different here because I have a very average body fat percentage, like healthy, normal, nothing to write home about. But uh, the trainer who took my scan here basically fell to her knees and was like, this is the best scan I've ever seen in all my time working here. And I was like, oh, don't joke around with me. And she's like, no, I'm completely serious. I've never seen like they." She talked about the D shape. Do you know what I'm talking about? How it's like you're. Oh, yes. Yes, it's like the muscle is supposed to be more than the fat is supposed to be more than something else, whatever it is. Yeah, but it, makes a- it, it comes out like kind of like a line graph and forms yeah. a D shape. If your muscle is at a certain point, it like yeah. it, it looks very good on on the on the sheet of on, paper. Yeah, on the sheet of paper. So she was like, "This is the best I've ever seen. I hope <laughs> you understand." Like I'm like geeking out looking at these numbers this is amazing. I have no feedback to give you. Like there's nothing you should lose or gain or do anything. Like you just keep doing exactly what you're doing. And I left flying high, high, high because something like this would never occur in Equinox Hollywood in the city of Los Angeles. That's the Midwest for you. I got my feedback. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Well hydrated. No. (laughs) And then, um, and then the trainer dived into, and I hear this every time. They're like, "Your right leg is lighter in muscle mass than your left," and I'm like, "Yeah, so I, I know." They were like, "Are you doing anything about that?" And I was like, "No, I don't care." 
And they're no. like, okay, well, uh, well, that's that. And I was like, thank you so much. And off to the changing room I go to cry. <laughs> yeah. No, LA is different. And she told me, she told me straight up, she said, most of my clients are extremely overweight and some obese. So that's why their graphs look different. <laughs> and I said, totally. And I, I'm glad I could do this for you. But, you know, we're all just trying our best out here. We're all just trying our best. It's something that feels specifically female in many ways. And I know, obviously, and we've talked about this, you know, men experience body dysmorphia and feel the pressure just as frequently as us. But I think there's something because we're supposed to be so in control of every aspect of our lives and having all the balls in the air and being a good friend, being a good partner being a good employee and then having hobbies and then maintaining a social life. And then, and to be confronted with the fact that that control is slipping in an area that is so closely related to your sense of self, your identity, your appearance, right? Which is basically where all our currency lies. And we've been conditioned that way. Our looks in general play such a bigger part in our day to day. And it's seen as like a moral failing if you aren't supermodel stunning at all times it's sort of like oh you should take pride in your appearance and it's like maybe I do even messy even overweight even whatever it is you know it's funny actually we're we're talking a little bit about themes in in one of the major blockbusters that everybody is chit-chatting about these days wait can I do my inspiration yeah of course (laughs) what's your inspiration my inspiration is unrelated that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm taking a sharp pivot with my inspiration. I have waited until this very moment to tell you because my inspiration this week involves you. Oh my you, God. You, Ivana Ryder. I forgot your middle name for a second. What is it? Taya. What? I've never yeah. known that. Really? It's Louise. <laughs> There's not a Serbian who, who's ever been named Louise. T-A-Y-A? No, T-E-A. Taya. T. T-E-A-T. Spelled like T, but that is such a hot girl name. I know. I tried briefly in like the fourth grade to rebrand as Taya. I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. That's what I'm going as from now on. But I would never respond when people called me it. So then I had to drop it. Well, your name factors big time into my inspiration. I'll tell you why. Okay. So I went to a a podcast networking event and uh, it was very small, maybe 20 people in the penthouse of the London. For some reason, I was the only person allowed a plus one, which feels buck wild because I'm the most insignificant person there. I was sitting next to a woman with 450K followers who goes to me, you got a plus one for this? I was like, oh, oh my God. So I brought Chris who everyone was like, why are you here? And what do you do? Because it was that small, but he was really excited to come because there was a performance by a mentalist. Okay. Have you ever seen a mentalist do their thing? I don't think so. I actually have no idea what their thing would be. (laughs) (laughs) So it's magic adjacent, but their whole trick and shtick is reading your mind. (gasps) So that like, I will predict, I will read your mind, I'll do whatever. It was so impressive. There was this one moment where he called up three people. He like raised them from their seats. He said, "Um, I am going to hand you a book, a little notebook that has various questions on it. You are going to like scroll through the book, land on a page, read the question and answer it in your head. He did this to three people. So each person takes this notebook, flips through, sees a question and doesn't respond, closes it, hands it back to him. He goes, sit down. If I name one of the things that you're thinking of, he goes home alone, four, five, six, seven and Jessica. Each person sat down. So the next round, he involves me, me and a few others. He does one girl. He's like, think of a place, blah, blah, blah. He says to me, think of a person that's not in this room. I was like, right, right. He's like, you talk to this person a lot. I was like, yes, they don't live like in this city. And I was like, right. Yeah. He was like, is this their name? He writes on his piece of paper. He turns around, Ivana. No. no. <laughs> you have the- to be kidding. Because your name is so uncommon. There was actual physical gasps. Ivana was such a like a niche specific woman's name. And like Chris, who's the biggest skeptic, he's very like science above all else, was like, actually, how is he doing this? It was really, really weird. I mean, and the only one he got wrong, which was so interesting, was a girl. He said, think of a place. And she came up with Bova Marina, which I suppose is in Italy. I've never heard of it. 
and he said Bora Bora. And so I, so he got close, but he was like, oh, I can't believe I got that wrong. I've just like never experienced anything like that in my life. I've never really seen magic. I've never gone to the magic castle, which is like an invite only mansion in LA where magicians perform when you have dinner. I've never really done or been super attracted to any of that, but I'm in this room with this guy and I'm just dying to be picked because I, you want to see it firsthand and experience it firsthand and know that you gave them no clues. There's no way they could have known. I'm aghast. One, it's just always crazy to know that your name is ever being uttered aloud in a room that you're not in. I feel like every time I hear about that, I'm like, what? Also, a room of some of the most influential creators in the podcast space. Like, it's like, I know. The crew was all there. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. In the penthouse of the London Hotel, a mentalist said, Ivana. I, I can't. I'm also honored that you would think of me as a friend. Oh, that you who else would, am I going to you... think of? <laughs> I talk to you every second of every day. That's really true. We really do talk. Yeah. And I think that that makes for a great partnership. Yep. Compelling content. And uh, it makes for shared interests. And that brings us to (sighs) Barbie girl time. It's been a rough hell of a week (laughs) for, for the Barbie girls, for all the Barbie girls. Speaking of flawless looks, and it's funny, the whole movie's premise was really to, you know, undo all the bad that has been done to women. But somehow, Margot Robbie's press tour kind of made it worse. (laughs) We're like, how is that possible? She is now in Sydney, Australia. Yesterday, she was in London, England, and she looks immaculate in both circumstances. She was perfect. Yeah, she looked perfect. And there was no, you know how you and I, we love a little bit of vulnerability. It was just, she was, she embodied the Barbie that we grew up with. And there was something really magical and fantastical about that. But there was also like, wait, I thought the whole point was that Barbie is impossible. Can't be done. (laughs) Fake. Obviously, Oscar noms came out. Margot and Greta Gerwig both were admitted in their particular categories. I mean, Greta Gerwig was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, right? Yeah, not Mm -hmm. original. And Margot Robbie. And Best Picture. And Best Picture. The first, I think, director or female director in history to have her first three films nominated for Best Picture. Little Woman, Barbie, and um, Lady Bird. Bird. Yep. Mm -hmm. So huge achievement, not to be overlooked. And... There's a lot of people up in arms, obviously, that they that these two women were not nominated in their specific categories. What do you say to that? <laughs> I'm just putting the spotlight well, on you. Here's the thing. So we definitely are in some ways adding fuel to the fire here because today we are talking about Ryan Gosling, who did get a nomination for his role of Ken. Not only that, but also a nomination for Best Song. And Here's the thing about all of this. I have seen countless posts, countless think pieces, enraged tweets of people like, how could you do this to Margot? Like, Ken is nothing without Barbie. How dare you? There would be no Barbie without Margot and Greta. I feel more feelings about Greta not being nominated because mostly the caliber of her achievement and the fact that she made so much money in the box office. It was so successful. It started a whole conversation, a movement, all those things for her still not to get a nomination, I think is a shame. I agree. Margo, I really do. And I, and it's clear she's a brilliant director. And so in that way, I wish we celebrated more brilliant directors and there wasn't a rule where only one can be nominated in the category at any given point. Um, but all that said, I did not feel particularly moved passionate. and yeah <laughs> passionate about the film i did not walk out and think oh my god a revolution has begun finally in this country i it and i'm sorry she came to their defense but it feels very hillary clinton feminism and we're fully aware that we are treading tiptoes in full bobby style on yeah. glass right now i'm sure a lot of agos stand bobby and rightfully so it was a lot of fun Oh and my God, I'm so sh- much fun. I came out being like, that was a bit of fun. But I do not feel like my purpose as a woman has been realized, renewed. I was like, for me, this is kind of old news, to be honest. Like, yes, we're asked to do it all and be it all and like rarely recognized for that. 
I understand it was probably really important for the 45 plus demographic and specifically men who maybe the women in their lives haven't articulated this in the same way. And they came away being like, whoa, I really, I see you guys differently now. I think that's really special and really important for me personally, where I am at this stage of life, what we've already lived through, which is obviously me too, a very uh, highlighted wage gap, misogyny, sexual assault. It just didn't impact me in that way. That's not to say it didn't impact a lot of others. And if I'm going to say something really incendiary, I really thought that Ryan Gosling carried that movie. He was so sparkly and there was just not a lot of sparkle for me from Margot's performance specifically. And that could have been the way it was written. Ken was the comedic relief, just pretty much all around. All to say, I was not particularly surprised or devastated by Margot's lack of nomination, especially when there were so many other incredible performances by women this year. I also just think that outrage has rolled over some of the hugeness of other nominations. I mean, America Ferrera's nomination is a historic one. So is Lily Gladstone, the first Native American woman ever nominated for Best Actress. And those things were pretty much not spoken about at all which I think is unfortunate Which, because I agree. The movie was fun. It was so fun. And it also made waves, especially in places where these like feminist ideals are not as at the forefront. At the yeah. Forefront. And like admittedly, our generation specifically and in these liberal epicenters where most of us live, we're in a bubble. Yeah. Like, we've been talking about this since 2016, 2015, earlier. So it's really like it was not news to us the way it might have been to a lot of others. But yeah, it does feel very white tears to be like, why wasn't this pretty blonde in the running? And it's like, look, she's on the Oscar nominees list as a best picture producer. Like that is huge. It's mm -hmm. a huge accomplishment because she wasn't recognized for this particular performance, which she has been before and she will be again. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's just call our jets here. And the things that win, it's just like green book after green book. Nobody's ever like, <laughs> oh my God, the arbiters of taste, like the Academy knows what they're doing it's that's just not true i was thinking about that and the the stronghold the oscars after a hundred years still has on the zeitgeist mm -hmm. and i don't know how they do it frankly Ten thousand old white men and whenever they have that thing where it's like oh uh, an anonymous comment from an oscar someone in the oscar voting pool it's they're always saying the worst shit imaginable it's like women should just be grateful to be alive. And you're like, what? Like, <laughs> that's what you think about the world? The fact that we let them eat. Yeah. We are moving the needle forward. <laughs> Enjoy your jam. Be quiet. But speaking of a man who is very much a champion of women in every way and is honestly pretty beyond reproach. I mean, when it comes to perfection, I don't think anyone really comes close the way Mr. Ryan Gosling does. My little Ivana Tea cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited and so honored today to get into Ryan Gosling and not just any Ryan Gosling, but 2023 Ryan Gosling in the run up to the Barbie release, which was a real time. And you may forget this. There was a lot of backlash about the casting of Ryan Gosling as Ken in general. A lot of people were like, that guy's fucking old. Yeah, they were He's so too mean. old. <laughs> I don't. It was probably the first time I think a man has experienced like true ageism in the way that so many women do. Yeah, like actual like, comments where it's like, he's too ugly to play Ken. What? Brutal. <gasps> this story is entitled The Return of Ryan Gosling, and he's covering GQ's Wet Hot Summer issue in what appears to be a pink suede trench. The subhead reads, as he ventures back into the spotlight to play Ken in the summer blockbuster Barbie Ryan Gosling talks candidly about why he stepped away from Hollywood, why he's thinking about movie making differently now, and why he's prioritizing the off-screen roles he plays in real life. And what's so interesting about this, and it's something that I truly didn't realize or think much about, but he really did step away from the spotlight for at least four years or so. Yeah. He disappeared. And I think that's also why his casting felt like a little bit of whiplash, because it was like, where has this guy been? He's re-emerging after a hiatus as one of the most iconic male figures of all time this is a profile capital p that's so true it's a celebrity profile tm yeah like yeah this yeah is, it really is it's interesting because we're also coming off several gq profiles recently yeah this is just so beautifully done with the cherry on top that i have to give real real kudos hats off to zach baron who is the writer 
and maybe has the dream job, Ivana. He's a senior staff writer of GQ. A writer versus an editor, I need to make really clear. This means that he is allowed to just write stories. He never has to be involved in the real kind of like ideating process. He never has to read and respond to pitches. He pretty much just takes assignments. And he's based in LA, which also sick not to be in New York in, what's it, One World, the World Trade Center? Yeah. One World Trade Center, which is the Condé Nast building. Yeah, he's just like living free and easy. I'm dying to know if he's on salary or like a per story rate. I don't know because I know that Taffy Bradisser Ackner who did the Bradley Cooper profile, she was on staff at GQ and that's kind of where a lot of her big profiles happened. And she famously came out on Twitter and said, I don't get out of bed for less than $4 a word to pretty much immediate outrage because a lot of writers are getting 30 cents a word or less. Yeah. To put it in perspective, I made like $800 off like a 3,000 word profile of Carmen Electra. Anywhere between 25 to 30 cents a word, which is the standard these days. For some pay transparency there. I think it's important. <laughs> so I, I would love to know his pay structure and like that the way that that works and what he also does day to day because he just seems to almost exclusively write these enormous profiles. I mean, last year alone, he profiled Andre 3000 amidst his return to music after like 15 years, Chris Evans, Martin Scorsese, Apple CEO Tim Cook, the celebrity name drops in his bio. Read like the guest list of Jeff Bezos's birthday party. Since joining GQ in 2013, Zach has written dozens of cover stories about people from all over culture, actors, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Robert Pattinson, musicians, Pharrell, Kanye West, Justin Bieber, athletes, Kevin Durant, Conor McGregor. He has interviewed many of our greatest living directors, Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin Tarantino, Francis Ford Coppola, Spike Lee, James Cameron, and has also written about militias in Nevada, newsrooms in California, and unsolved crimes in Malibu. Yeah, that's stacked. That is sounding very good on the ear. This came out in May 2023. And because 2023 is such recent history, I thought I would get into the month of May specifically, ah, which was actually a real moment in pop culture. The Eras Tour was in full swing. And this month, the Renaissance Tour kicked off in Sweden. So it started a real movement of two of the biggest female icons of all time dancing across the globe. May 2023 saw the writer's strike start shifting culture and probably film and TV as we know it from henceforth. Dua Lipa's Dance the Night Away was released in the run-up to the Barbie movie and uh, everyone was definitely still reeling from Sophia Ritchie's wedding in Cannes in late April. And now she's pregnant. And now she's pregnant. The great Tina Turner passed in May 2023 Mm. and uh, King Charles was crowned Britain's new monarch. So huge for him. Really, really big month. Taylor Swift and Ice Spice also collaborated on Karma, which felt deeply ironic because the same month, Taylor and Maddie Healy broke up amid a scandal involving Ice Spice where he laughed with podcast hosts who were calling her an Inuit Spice Girl and chubby Chinese lady and then mimicked a Japanese accent and asked the host to do impressions of Japanese people working in concentration camps. No! So that's May 2023 for you. Really jam-packed. Do you listen to the 1975? I I still don't understand what his his place in the culture is. I never listened, but I remember as far back as university, like when I was in college, girls were obsessed. Yeah. Really, really obsessed. I remember seeing him one time that someone was like, what's your type? And he was just like, hot girls. And I thought about that in relation to Taylor. And I was like, I don't find Taylor to be a hot girl. I find her to be like a very beautiful, pretty, elegant woman. But I'm not like, and we've had this conversation before. There's a, there's a real difference between like a hot babe yeah, and like a beautiful, pretty girl. It's really hard to be hot, pretty, and sexy to get the trio. Yeah. And yet impossible. we manage. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we do it every day. We wake up and we do it. And it's hard work and it's hard work, but that's the weight we carry on these shoulders. That's the weight we carry on the body scan. Yeah. Uh, which tells me in the mode differently. <laughs> Yeah, May was really a moment in time. And at this point, Ryan Gosling is on the Surfliner train with Zach Barron, which, if you don't know, is a train that runs from Los Angeles to San Diego and stops along the beach. It's very, um, how would we say, 
Ryan from the OC coded where you can really lean your head against that window and hear the California, here we come. Uh, and I have. Moment. I've been on that train many times, most notably when I broke up with my high school boyfriend. I took the train down to San Diego and I wept the entire way with my mom at my side. There's nothing else to do. You are alongside the ocean for three hours. Yeah. And um, we, Chris and I were long distance. I took that train every other week. But Ryan has never taken it, which is why he's like to Zach, let's spend some time on the train. And uh, he's also Canadian which I think really romanticizes the Americana experience. Mm -hmm. He is from Ontario, much like our beautiful Ivana Ryder, and was born just after our very beautiful Kim Kardashian. Wow. So two iconic women that he can be put next to. That's so true. What a sandwich that is. Yeah, a Sagittarius. Um, Actually, let me quickly fact check that for you. Oh, no. A Scorpio. Oh. A Scorpio. Birthday a day after Leo DiCaprio. There's huh. something in the water for blonde leading men around November 12th. Wow. So if you're pregnant, aim for that day. Yeah, truly. <laughs> Try your best. Ryan Gosling, much like Leo, started young. He rose to prominence at age 13 on the Disney Channel's Mickey Mouse Club, which he came to by attending like an open call audition in Montreal. Then he appeared in Are You Afraid of the Dark? Goosebumps. His breakthrough role was as a Jewish neo-Nazi in the film The Believer. Which I haven't seen. Have you seen? No. I'd never heard of it before this. But obviously his fast track to stardom really came in the wake of the romantic drama, The Notebook, which, I mean, put him on all of our radars. He has a band called Dead Man's Bones. So a precursor to his Ken music star days. And he's also the co-owner of a Moroccan restaurant in Beverly Hills called Tejin. No way! Next time you're here, we will be going... And then, like, romantically, he's really just had these long-term relationships with women in Hollywood, which is really remarkable because they have nothing but good things to say. He was with Sandra Bullock from 2002 to 2003 and then Rachel McAdams from 2005 to 2007. They briefly got back together in 2008. And then he met now wife Eva Mendes on the set of A Place Beyond the Pines, which did well commercially, but kind of had mixed critical reviews. Though most of his films have been real critical and commercial successes, including Drive, Blue Valentine, Crazy Stupid Love. And Barbie is his third Best Actor nomination at the Oscars after Lars and the Real Girl and La La Land. Wow. So fingers crossed. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, we know that they won't give it to Leo because they didn't even nominate him. So do you feel like that was a because you saw Killers of the Fallen Moon? No, I haven't. Actually, I still haven't. Steven did. Yeah. And thoughts, feelings? Was impressed, but I think, you know, found it long. Pretty bloated at like three something hours. Yeah. I know. Some things can be left on the cutting room floor. I think that's a lesson to all directors. Us shooting this episode to Martin Scorsese. Be like, we have a little (laughs) note in there for you. Quick edits. Nothing major. Can you cut out 30 minutes? Yeah. (laughs) Possible? So Ryan and Zach are on this train and Ryan is talking his style of acting which he compares to being in an escape room. His general idea is if you're thrown into a particular set of circumstances and you've got to find your way out, that is super comparable to what it's like to show up at a movie set and try and act your way out of a paper bag. And Zach writes, Gosling has discovered that this approach might apply to more than just acting. For instance, you're a kid growing up in a town you don't want to be in and you're trying to locate an exit. Maybe you're looking for something you can't put into words and you make movies to try and pin down whatever it is you're looking for. Maybe you're a person who never envisioned raising a family and then you meet the person who changes in some radical way how you see yourself and your future. Life comes at you in all its unanticipated and startling particulars. The thing that makes you an artist is the way you respond. And this is the thing about Zach Barron. He's going to get existential quick. It's gorgeous. I'm all in. I Same. And then he flows really well into how being open to the unexpected has served Ryan so well. When Ryan was auditioning for The Notebook, the director, Nick Casavetes, straight up told him, the fact that you have no natural leading man qualities is exactly why I want you to be my leading man. So Ryan got the part and he's been a leading man ever since. So I actually want your thoughts here because he feels to me like such a leading man. I think I've got it. Oh my God, say. Because the leading man in that movie is, in fact, James Marsden. That Uh is your leading man. 
Mm-hmm. So for some reason, Ryan Gosling has this anti-hero quality. He, while he is so gorgeous, he's not unattainable gorgeous the way a Chris Pines, Chris Evans, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, you name them. He's different. There's something different. There's something off. And I think that's why he captures women specifically, their imagination, their hearts. It's like the everyman. It's like I could meet this guy. You're right. And I do think that if it was James Marsden and Chris Evans, the movie becomes silly. And also, I think that it's way harder to believe like a bedraggled Chris Evans later in the film when he's supposed to be kind of like bearded and he's been a hermit and he served in the army and he's different now and he's kind of, you know, rough around the edges. That's way harder to believe with a pretty boy. Yeah. And I think that is actually the key critique of like anyone but you, where (sighs) there was no offbeat likability with these two actors. They're both just like two hot blondes trying to play goofy, silly, we hate each other, enemies to friends trope. And it didn't work because it was like, you're just like two hot people trying to fight the inevitable. There feels like there's no tension or real conflict here. And that's what Ryan does like an incredible job of. Like there's always a slight concern that he may not come out on top this time. And that is what is so special about him. We root for him every time. Yeah. Even when he's not the good guy necessarily or even when it's complicated. Yeah. And he says that in his youth, he treated acting a little bit like therapy, like as an opportunity to teach himself about himself. He was in search of films that could capture a mood or a feeling. And this really resonated with me because it's how I felt about writing for such a long time, interviewing everyone from filmmakers to actors, singers, artists, you name it. It's like experiencing vicariously what I know I never really will in person. And that is what drew him to the movies. And Zach Wright, sometimes what he was doing barely looks like acting at all. Emily Blunt appears here and says, even though I think Ryan has watched a lot of movies, the way he acts is if he hasn't watched that many movies. And um, I the, love that it, quote. It, that felt, isn't that good? That felt particularly inspiring. It's just, it's cool. I feel like it resonated with me because I feel always perpetually behind on how much I've read. But my therapist said something to me like many months ago that was a breakthrough where she was like, that's okay. Like you'll just write in a fresh way. Like it doesn't necessarily help to have read 400 books. Yeah, it's a stunning realization that I think sets you free. There's no one way to be an artist. And um, that's not to say, though, he doesn't have a process. He tends to not go method, but really embody the characters of his films. Like for Blue Valentine, he lived with his co-star Michelle Williams at a house that they shot for the film and played the part of parents with a young actor who was playing their daughter. And then for Drive in 2011, he spent days driving across Los Angeles with the director until the film was just this unnameable sensation between the two of them in a shared car. And Ryan's like, I was trying to find a place to put all of these things that were happening to me. And these films became a way to do that, like time capsules. I mean, look, he even spent months in Thailand training in Muay Thai before appearing in this film, God Only Forgives, only for Nicholas Winding Redfin to just do away with the fighting altogether. And that has also really become a running theme with him. I did some research. He was cast in The Lovely Bones, put on like 60 pounds for the role. He grew a beard. He shows up to set with director Peter Jackson and they just kind of realized they'd got it all wrong. Like he was too young for the role. It like didn't make sense. And he was like, we didn't talk very much during the pre-production process, which was the problem. I showed up on set and I had gotten it wrong. And then I was fat and unemployed. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, and that was a really important realization for me, not to let your ego get involved. Like it's okay to be too young for a role. And then the way Gosling worked began to change. In 2014, he and his partner, Eva Mendes, note the use of the word partner, not married, Mm -hmm. with whom he starred in The Place Beyond the Pines, had their first kid, and in 2016 had their second, both daughters. Gosling started to act in fewer independent movies and more studio films like La La Land and Blade Runner. These movies, as Gosling describes them, were for an audience. Then for four years, he didn't appear in anything at all. His explanation for his absence is straightforward. He wanted to spend as much time as possible with his children. He says, Eva said she was pregnant and I just never wanted to go back. You know, I'm glad I didn't have control over my destiny in that way because it was so much better than I'd ever dreamed for myself. Mm, That's so sweet. (sighs) They really seem in love. I got to say, I know 
Hollywood couples will never know what's going on, but they are a sweet one and I hope that they're together forever. They do seem like to have it all together from an outside perspective, which rare when two artists come together in a relationship. Do you remember when I did that Orlando Bloom article and asked about being with Katy Perry and he said really, 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 really hard? Yeah. (laughs) I think about that to this day. I think about the fact that it must be so, so hard for two people to be in a relationship doing the same thing with the added pressure of like a public spotlight. It's, it's a lot. And then when Ryan came back to work, it was for The Gray Man, which was like a Netflix blockbuster type. And then Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig. He says that time away really solidified certain changes in his attitude toward his job. He's like, now I treat it more like work and not like it's therapy. Very helpful for any creative. He's like, it's a job. And I think in that way, it allows me to be better at it because there's less interference. And by interference, I think he keeps coming back to this concept of like ego and how involved it should be with your professional life, how much stock you should put in your day-to-day job and what earns you money. And it sounds like he just has a very healthy outlook, uh, which we could all learn from. I love to see it. When you're hearing an artist talk about like, oh yeah, I'm doing it in a sustainable way. That's good for me and good for my family. It's like, woohoo. Yeah. He grew up in Ontario, Cornwall, Ontario, which are you familiar No, it wasn't near me. That's like four hours from Toronto. I was like just outside of Toronto. So he describes it as a five-hour train ride, which is why they're currently on the train. It's like a call back to his commute as a child. But he's kind of like, wait, I really want to make sure it's actually five hours. So I'm not, you know, self-mythologizing and being like, it was a hundred hours on a train and it was like 40 minutes. And this is where Margaret Robbie appears for the first time to second the fact that he's a chronic overthinker. She's like, you know, he will say something and then 40 minutes later, he'll come up to me and be like, you know, when I said that, I'm just clarifying that what I meant was blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, why are you still thinking about that? <laughs> I I have a friend who like her iconic line after you've hung out and like talked for a long time is like, as you're leaving, she'll text you. I didn't mean anything that I said. Just as like a way to like cover any possible mishaps or miscommunications, which I think I'm obsessed with that. I didn't mean what I said. That is him to a T, it sounds like. And when he took the role of Ken, he really had a carte blanche. Ryan says, Ken, his job is beach. For 60 years, his job has been beach. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> and it wouldn't be a GQ profile without Greta Gerwig, who seems to pop up in everyone that we do. Oh, yeah, you're right. Timothy, um, yeah. She said that they were trying to really strike a delicate balance with Ken because it's supposed to be funny, but it's also a film about dolls. And Ken is forever an afterthought, which kind of makes him the funniest and saddest doll of them all. So Greta says she cast Ryan because there was a quality to Ryan's acting, even when he's hilarious. It's never the actor standing outside of the role, commenting on or judging this person. He doesn't try and make you know that Ryan Gosling knows this is silly. He does it in a way that takes on all the potential humiliations of the character as his own. Perfectly, perfectly articulated. He was humiliated by that role. And that's what made him so entertaining. It was just very dynamic. Like his take on Ken could have been so boring, but it never was. Especially knowing that some of his best lines were improvised. Margot's like, I didn't even know that he would want to do this because he has been doing movies called The First Man, The Gray Man. And now he's doing Barbie, which could not be more opposite. And uh, part of it is that he responds to scripts, but he was also like, I also get the kid's toy thing. My daughters play with Barbie and Ken and I see Ken face down in the mud. And it's like, this guy's story needs to be told, you know? (laughs) He's funny. He's He's a funny funny. man. And I love what Zach does here because he springboards off Ryan's children back into Ryan's own childhood. Uh, The fact his parents split up, she did not have a lot of friends or an easy time in school, but he did have an uncle who was an Elvis impersonator. And that really showed him the bedazzled door of show business. And he was like, it was a door with a lot of question marks in it, but I went in. He was cast at 12 in the all-new Mickey Mouse Club next to Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, and Britney Spears and was like, unlike his peers, I did not make a mark there. (laughs) Everyone was at a prodigy level and I certainly wasn't a child prodigy. I didn't know why I was there. I think that was the consensus. It just, like, it didn't work. They dressed me up as a hamster or put me in the background of someone's song, But it was a great experience in a way because it helped me figure out what I wasn't going to be good at, which was an important lesson to learn. 
I wanted to get your thoughts here. If that may have been his saving grace from being, you know, a quote unquote child star, never going off the rails. The fact that he wasn't the best, the brightest little kid on the stage. He was being outshone by like a Britney Spears. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, you know, the iconic quote, rejection is just redirection. I'm like, he was redirected into a way, way better career than maybe if he had gone the Disney Channel route. And that's what Zach says. He was like, what Ryan did turn out to be good at in the long run was playing this like brooding, intense young man. (laughs) Although Ryan says that he could never escape the spirit of a kid dressed up like a hamster performing for anyone who would watch. And um. This is when the story turns conversational, which I love. And Zach does an incredible job of like inserting himself without inserting himself the way like a taffy might. The very, I paused here and I took a sip of my coffee and I thought, Bradley Cooper, what are you talking about? There's really none of that. It's just this very organic, necessary dialogue between the two that pops up here. And it's because Zach is asking Ryan to speak to his younger self. And Zach writes, I share the next part of our conversation more or less verbatim because I think there's, well, a lot of Ryan Gosling in it. The skepticism of that ersatz therapy that a magazine interview can become, the instinct to protect himself, the heartfelt honesty, which is nevertheless his mode, and the comedic timing, which is uncannily similar to that of any number of characters we've seen him play on screen. It begins, as these things often do, with a somewhat overwrought interview question. What's inspiring you? (laughs) Uh, No. What do you think the young Ryan would make of where you've ended up? And he's like, hmm, what would young Ryan say? First of all, I'd be like, hey, young Ryan, calm down. This dude, Zach, asked me to come back and talk to you. Don't ask how, don't ask why. I don't have time. We're on a train. The train's going to end. So we only have so much time. You're going to be in a Barbie movie. He continues, no longer playing a scene. Look, the irony is that the movies I've made so many of, I didn't grow up watching. I didn't know anything about the kinds of films I was in, you know? I didn't have any frame of reference. All I had was my blockbuster knowledge from the local video store that only had the action films, the comedies. And he's like, and that's why I loved movies. It's those films that made me want to do this. Obviously, I've learned more about film and I feel very lucky to have gone to make the movies I've made. But it's so cool to be in a phase of my life where I'm getting to make the kinds of things that inspired me to make film in general. So he's like, so kid me, this kid you want me to go and talk to, he would like Barbie more than the believer, you know? Cool. (sighs) Totally unpretentious. It's all relative. That is growing up as being like, fuck what's cool. I want to make something that the inner child in me would be like, sick. Yeah. That's sick. Who cares about anything else? Like, Zach writes, and as for Ken, the no thoughts, just vibes character he plays in Barbie. Ryan says, there's something about Ken that really relates to that version of myself. I owe that kid a lot. The kid wearing hammer pants. I feel like I was very quick to distance myself from him when I started making more serious films. And the reality is that he's the reason I have everything I have. And I hate to call it out here, but this is a real Jacob Elordi kissing booth moment. Where it's like, sure, might not have been the coolest thing ever, but it's got you to where you are right now. So let's just tip a hat. It is. You're not trying to distance yourself from the past. You're actually trying to bring it closer to you and make it a part of you because it is intrinsically a part of you. And then he tells Zach that he spent a lot of time on the Barbie set communing with this younger version of himself who didn't have a clue, who did everything in total earnestness. Ryan's like, I had to go back and touch base with that little dude and say thank you and ask for his help. (laughs) cute this i wanted to flag because we get into his domestic life here and zach very aptly subtly in a way to protect ryan's privacy describes the town he lives in as quiet and in the southern half of california which i think might be ojai oh that that is the only place i have known people to see him out and about really and if you don't know ohio it's about an hour north of los angeles kind of inland from santa barbara and it's where like easy a was shot so all the orange orchards are there it's very beautiful it's kind of a little town nestled in between all these mountains crystal shops great wine it's great but i have one friend who saw ryan getting an ice cream in ohio and that's what i'm holding on to But Ryan, like, loves being at home. He and Eva Mendes don't have a nanny. They do everything themselves. 
And Zach's like, he's kind of just romantic about his life with his daughters and Mendez. He was looking for her. And Zach's like, were you conscious that you were looking for her? And he's like, no, but it all makes sense now. As a parent, whenever he doesn't know what to do, which happens from time to time, he really leans on Eva. He's like, she just somehow always knows. And in the past, when he was looking for inspiration, it was always like in the extremes, in the very like chic, gritty underbelly of the world. I mean, for this movie, he wrote and directed Lost River. He was just taking trips out to Detroit and filming like decaying buildings. And uh, the movie that came out of it was this like violent, paranoid, surreal fever dream. And the reviews were very, very bad, Ivana. Yeah. 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. I watched the trailer. You have It's one of those trailers where it's like, okay, is this done by a couple of college students? Because I have no idea what's happening. It's just a lot of fluoro lights. And like, why can't you go back home? Oh, it's that. no, no. It's that. <laughs> yes. I read the plot. It's insane. The plot is absolutely insane. However, Ryan remains proud of Lost River. But he's like, all the things that are happening right now at home, I just find funnier and more inspiring than any of the stuff I came across when I was out there in abandoned buildings looking for it. That's so real, though. There is this idea of like the darker, the better. Or it's like if it's dark, it's more honest. It's more real. But I don't know. It's so film student guy. Yeah. Like, I'm just totally. trying to create something really authentic and like tell a story that doesn't get told. Yeah. Like, that was every guy I went to college with in my film class. Oh my God, I know. And he's talking a little bit about like getting out of the public eye. And while he's very charismatic when he has to promote a film, he doesn't really enjoy talking about himself. And as their train makes away down the coast, he's like, Zach, like, you know how it is to do this. And it hasn't been useful for me personally to start self pathologizing. A lot of it is just operating on instinct. It was an escape room, you know? And I love that because sometimes introspection, A, isn't helpful, B, isn't productive, but also there are things that are intangible. You can't really explain your process. You don't really know. You just showed up and did a job. And I think we over-intellectualize artists so much when that's just like literally throwing paint on the wall and being like, it looks cute. (laughs) <laughs> I love a bit of pink there. <laughs> and I, I feel like here it's also interesting because he does the classic thing of, I'm actually going to ask you questions now. It's clear he doesn't like the process of this where it's just journalists and subjects. So he is asking Zach like, oh, tell me about your son. Do you feel like being a dad has changed you? And he seems genuinely interested, but also Zach is aware that there is a bit of this that's maybe to avoid being asked more questions himself. The way that he dives into these different subjects about Zach's personal life. I mean, he's like a mom that plays guitar. That's so cool. Kind of like classical or folky. It's like, babe, what? (laughs) And this is where Emily Blunt comes back in because she's like, he watches everyone and everyone's nuances so acutely that at some point, I think everyone will be sucked up and put into a movie, into a character. And yeah, and to your point, she's like, I'm sure it's a deflection strategy. I've told him many more intimate secrets than he told me. And he's quite gifted at that. And that really reminds me of you. I mean, I feel like I've divulge my entire life to you and it's like it will never truly be equal because that is your gift is observing and responding yeah I do do this as a as a deflection strategy I would much rather hear about someone else's bad day than say anything about mine I could be having the worst day on record and I'm still like no and then your plant it died that's not fair that's not fair I know it's so hard to pull out of you a the real truth because you have already filtered, edited, and come out with this perfect little digestible package. My press release. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, Monday was hard, but then Tuesday, that was great. And I'm really happy about that. Exactly. (laughs) You always see the bright side. It's just uh, so admirable and fucking crazy. It lives in duality. Um, (laughs) It's both. It's both. It's a little bit of both. But this like deflection, this kind of defense mechanism that he's developed has come from the fact that he has been so fawned over and objectified for so many years, which was so intense. So Zach writes, if you're a certain age, you remember the frenzy in the early part of the past decade around Gosling, particularly Gosling's appearance, which was subject to endless Tumblr posts. 
Tumblr. And thirsty bar conversations. The Hey Girl meme. Remember the Hey Girl oh, meme? Oh my God, right. Like yes. meme culture was founded on the Hey Girl meme, which was like, hey girl, it's your birthday. I'll refill that wine glass. Like it's like feminist. Was it called feminist Ryan Gosling? It was like Something. Ryan Gosling in your corner. Hey girl, like take off your makeup. You'll feel better in the morning. <laughs> it was really that. I forgot entirely. He gave us everything. He gave us feminism. He gave us memes. He's the bedrock of culture. People come <laughs> for us with pitchforks about this. Uh, this plus the nomination. We're like, he should have won Best Actress. <laughs> There's not a woman on earth who, who could do it better than Ryan Gosling. No. He, but Emily's like, I think it embarrasses him in some ways. Like this perception of being like the perfect boyfriend, the coolest man. She's like, I get the sense it wasn't really what he felt about himself. And we kind of get into the fact that he was raised by a single mother. And because she was hot, like she was a MILF, he was constantly aware of this kind of predatory energy that came from men around her. And he only really experienced the nuances of that when he started to feel that himself, when he came to attention. And that made him depersonalize all the praise, all the adulation that he was getting. And it also helped him, I think, when people were telling him he was too old to play Ken. He says, it's funny, this kind of clutching your pearls idea of like, hashtag not my Ken. You never thought about Ken before this. And suddenly it's like, we've cared about Ken this whole time. <laughs> no, you didn't. You never did. You never cared. Barbie never fucked with Ken. That's the point. If you really cared about Ken, you would know that nobody cared about Ken. So your hypocrisy is exposed. And this is why his story must be told. <laughs> I care about this dude now. I'm his representative. Ken couldn't show up to receive this award. So I'm here to accept it for him. Eva Mendes, when his Oscar nomination came, came out with a statement being like, I'm so proud of my man. He took on so much hate when he accepted this role. And so many people are trying to shame him for doing it. All this like not my Ken ridicule and articles written about him. And he created this completely original, hilarious, heartbreaking, and now iconic character that has gone all the way to the Oscars. Amidst all the like the Margo, like justice for Margo, to have someone just come out in his corner and be like, well, actually, I think it's really cool yeah. that he got nominated because he did a good job. Yeah. And he also released like, a statement himself basically saying like, I am shocked that Margo and Greta were not nominated in their respective categories and Ken wouldn't exist without them. So he's also, I think, laid respect where respect should be laid exactly he said you know there's no ken without barbie and there's no barbie movie without greta and Margot." and he's like no recognition would be possible for anyone in this film without their talent grit and genius to say that i'm disappointed that they're not nominated in their respective categories would be an understatement so yeah he was very vocal about the oversight of the academy but i love that even mendes was just like no oh, fuck those girls happy for you baby <laughs> But uh, this is where Greta reappears. She talks about his sense of humor. They had a sleepover one time, I guess, during the shooting of the movie and all the Barbies were there. But the Kens were also invited to stop by and Ryan couldn't make it. So he sent a Scottish man in a full kilt, dressed up and playing the bagpipes that read the speech from Braveheart and then just left. And everyone was like, wait, what was that? And then Zach was like, yeah, what was that? Like, why did you do that? And he's like, sometimes you just got to hear that speech from Braveheart. Like, you just got to you just got to do it. And Greta <laughs> says he can always sense what would be the funniest thing to do next. And then he does it, which speaking to your earlier point about his improvisation, when he shouts that word sublime, when Barbie comes over to his house, he chose a different word each time. Like, he's very funny. He's funny. He's funny. Hey, girl. The Barbie sleepover sounds like the cutest thing in the entire world to do is like a sort of cast togetherness exercise before it starts shooting. I'm like, oh, can you imagine that room? Everybody in their PJs, Margot, Issa Rae, Hari Neff. And they also had like movie church every Sunday where they picked a new classic movie that inspired Barbie to watch. It's like... A really revolutionary filmmaking process. This very beautiful, holistic approach to movie making, which left everyone with a positive taste in their mouth, which not every award-winning movie does. So uh, so we're getting into the final stages now. They're getting off the train. They're going to a diner. And uh, Ryan imparts what I think is one of the most significant pieces of wisdom in a celebrity profile come from the celebrity himself. He says... When you were young, you thought that you were winning by not trying. 
or winning by trying but acting like you weren't trying. And that backfires when you start actually not trying in order to win. And what you realize later in life is that that's actually what losing is, not trying. And this line, this line from Zach, and I say, yes! (laughs) (laughs) I know, exclamation point at the end. And I say, yes! Yes, yes, (laughs) yes, that's true. And then Ryan says, and all you have to do is watch Rocky to realize that trying is winning. And they conclude by by Ryan talking a little bit more about why he's so wary of having these conversations. You know, he says, this can kind of border into therapy, which is bad for obvious reasons, because it feels like, you know, when you're wearing jeans and you come out wearing cutoffs and the pockets are not the only thing that's showing. You know what I mean? (laughs) And Zach is like, and I'm laughing again. I'm laughing again. <laughs> and we, and then we start negotiating the length of the metaphorical jeans he's going to leave with this time. Cute. Tell me that's not a beautiful profile. It's amazing. Ah, oh, wow. I, and I want to be clear. Like I skipped over very little in this profile. Like I went beat for beat, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It was five thousand words, but it felt quick light a delicious little morsel whereas in the timothy chalamet gq profile for example like i was skimming massive massive chunks and this i just had to take beat by beat it was so good at every section there was nothing that felt superfluous or like inflated for no reason it was just so good so good and the and the quotes are good coming from someone who is saying actively, I don't really like to do this. I'm not trying to get into all of this. I would prefer we didn't. Yet still giving funny, profound, evocative, interesting, new information and ideas and thoughts. And I learned more about his early career. I didn't realize that a big part of the reason he got the notebook was because he wasn't that leading man. I feel like that will forever change how I watch the notebook. Definitely. Yeah, especially around Valentine's Day. Oh my God, you're right. Time for a rewatch. The last time I had COVID, I needed to watch it so badly that I cried until I was able to pirate it online. And I'm sorry for that. And I'm sorry that Ryan Gosling didn't get any money because I stole it. Look, I think that was pre-backend residual deals anyway. Ryan missed out on nothing. You're right. You're absolutely fine. And it feels so ironic to say that he's everything when that was the Barbie slogan of like, she's everything. He's Knuff. He's just Ken, whatever. But he really shines. Like he just is so charismatic. He's so incredibly likable. He is self-aware. He is self-effacing. He could have so easily taken the Leo track where he's on yachts with 22-year-old models. Instead, he's with like an age-appropriate woman with his two daughters at home in a small town. What just it's a it's a good guy. Like Marley just seems like all round good guy. Yeah. The other hot tea I heard about them was that they love like tunnels and stuff. This is tunnels? a friend of a friend. <laughs> what? <laughs> a friend of a friend like got hired by them to be like an interior designer and said that they wanted like this it could be total hearsay. I mean, I'm gonna throw a big allegedly, but they love like weird rooms like disappear like speaking of escape room like it feels really full circle they love like bookcases that show hidden rooms they love like twisting tunnels underneath the house like how funny is that oh my gosh (laughs) she turned down the job because she was like that's actually uh outside of my pay grade i I actually know how to create this elaborate labyrinth yeah an (laughs) underground world for you whoa yeah. celebrity news i've ever heard that's like one of my favorite little tidbits i have to say when you hear about preferences of like oh you know they only eat beef like day in day out it's always like oh weird but this is a sweet one sort of like you know secret garden cute that is still my absolute fantasy is having some sort of secret garden witch in the wardrobe type <sighs> i mean those british school children raised me i know i will always want a scone with jam and cream at a door to walk through into another world. What I would do for a scone right now, I think I'm going to go bake. <laughs> no, the butter's not frozen. The butter's not frozen. You can do it with chilled. Chilled butter. You're right. It just has to be hot enough to kind of like to, rub together. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, I'm going to try to desperately make some. That sounds so good. The first thing I'm going to do when you get back to Los Angeles is take you to the Beverly Hills Peninsula we're going to spend $150 each each on a high tea. It's a scone. It's a cucumber sandwich with the crust cut off. 
It is one mimosa. <laughs> and frankly, that's enough. I need that more than I need to breathe. That will keep me going. I don't know if you've ever done the one at Huntington Garden. They also have like high tea in the Rose Garden. No. Yeah. They have like a little tea house in the middle of the Rose Garden. And I will be back in spring. That'll be the second place we go to high tea when we do our high tea hopping. High tea hopping is the new happy hour. Yeah. Forget drinking. We are just chugging pots of tea. Yeah. Knee to the ground. Teapot to mouth. Go, go, go. That's that's who we are now. I mean, I'm probably having three to four cups a day at minimum. It feels right. It feels right <laughs> in the cold. It does. It's what you deserve. Yeah. But what an incredible man. Uh, yeah. Due to star in the action film The Fall Guy uh, alongside Emily Blunt, he will reunite with Margot Robbie once again for the Oceans series prequel. It felt like we needed to do him off the back of Emma Stone. You know, incredible collaborators next level chemistry i really enjoyed spending this time with him and you him and you the three of us in a i'm the afterthought <laughs> him oh and, and you were here it really was so fun and i you know i think it's it's complicated we're obviously we're going off the back of the news cycle now in some way who said that the the true mark of genius is being able to hold two opposing thoughts in your brain at once we have to use that here in that we can be happy for Ryan. And we can be mm -hmm. disappointed in general whenever women are not given full credit for their achievements, as they always should be, but as society refuses to do time and time again. Right. Billion dollar box office achievement. Yeah. The only thing left to say is, uh, hey, girl, subscribe to our Patreon. Give us that little five stars. Maybe write a review. We'd love that. We would love that. And Ryan, I think, would love that if he knew of Uncover Girl. Yeah. And thank you to Zach Barron for this incredible contribution mm -hmm. to the art form that is a celebrity profile. We are so grateful. This was an incredible read. Yes. Yeah, so you. fun to read. This is a good one. If you're like kind of going back and forth of like, oh my God, I don't have all the time in the world. Which profile should I read? Definitely this one, I would say. High, high recommend. And uh, I feel like I don't even need to ask this question. It's totally redundant. But how much you want to interview this man? A lot. Very much. Little Ontario yep. kids together. There's too many of us now. It's Ooh. like me. It's Shania. It's it's all of us. All from Ontario. It's The weekend. It's Shawn Mendes. It's Justin Bieber. Put you in a room together. Put you oh, yeah. in a room. Honestly, you I need to be reunited. I wonder who the clicks would be, you know? It's kind of like like Shawn and Justin, I feel like, would find each other. Oddly, I feel like The weekend and Shania. And then it's me and Ryan. Yeah. Countrymen in arms. Yep. All right. We'll have a very happy Canadian-inspired week. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Have a scone. Have a scone today. Take care of yourself. Take care of your body and love it no matter what. <laughs> we love you. Bye. Bye. Uncover Girl is lovingly crafted by Beatrice Hazelhurst and Ivana Ryder. If you want to get even deeper under the covers with us, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uncovergirl or follow us on Instagram at uncovergirlpodcast. Rate Uncover Girl, write us a review, and share your favorite episode, Shawn Mendes, Rolling Stone 2018, anyone? And we will be your forever fans. Love you. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.